1: Hi, Oddings. This is the Something Scary Podcast. I'm your Ate Sapphire. Hotels are notoriously haunted locations, so it's no wonder that it's the chosen setting for many movies and urban legends. Every single day, people come and go through the lobby, and some never truly leave. In this week's episode, we'll be exploring some hotels with guests who have overstayed their Welcome. First, we'll follow a teenage girl into an elevator at the wrong time. Then, we'll explore the haunted Ripley Castle. And finally, join the night shift at the Good Shade Hotel. I receive hundreds of amazing story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that I've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then, I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, consider joining our Patreon. Our patrons play a huge role in keeping the show running every single week. For more information on how you can help the show and also be a part of it, visit patreon.com slash snarled. So, want to hear something scary? She is not what she seems. This story comes from the creepypasta subreddit written by username Cupid's Fate. If you haven't seen the Something Scary episode about the elevator game, I highly recommend watching it first. About a year ago, me and my family took a vacation to America. We stayed in this fancy upscale hotel. We checked in and got our key to our room on the fifth floor. Every night, I'd go down to the lobby after dinner and read a book or watch a movie with my headphones and have little chats with the receptionist, Tom. One night I was in the lobby reading and my mom texted me asking when I was going to come back up to the room. I looked at the time and quickly realized it was already 11 p.m. So I went back to my room and stayed up for a bit. After half an hour or so, I realized that I'd left my purse in the lobby. My dad and I kept trying to call Tom at reception via our hotel phone to see if he'd seen it or if it was still there. No answer. After about 10 minutes of trying, I finally decided to head back down. As I got into the elevator, I saw this shy looking girl, my age, like 16 years old. She was wearing a really cute sweater with a triangle design on it. I love your outfit, I said. No reply. My name's Marissa, what's yours? She just ignored me and hit the button for the first floor. I thought maybe I somehow offended her or shit. It hit me. She might've been deaf or mute or had special needs. Then the elevator proceeded to go up to the 10th floor. That's odd, I said. I looked over at the girl, now looking down at the floor of the lift quite nervously. I quickly apologized for whatever I'd done Maybe I was offending her by repeatedly speaking to her, I don't know. But when I'm uncomfortable, I get kinda chatty. We arrived on the 10th floor. As the doors opened, the dark, empty hallway stared back at us. I assumed that she would hit the first floor button again, but she didn't. So I leaned over and pressed it myself. Just as I did that, she was stepping forward. She ran into my arm for a moment and stepped back. After I pulled my arm away, she stepped out of the elevator and into the hallway. Confused, I called out to her. Where are you going? I thought you were going to the first floor. As soon as I said that, she bolted. I shrugged it off and hit the lobby button. I got to reception and asked Tom if he'd seen my purse. Luckily he had, and he handed it over to me. You could have just called. I would have been happy to send someone up to bring it to you, Tom said. I actually did try calling from my room about half an hour ago, I explained. But I couldn't get through. I figured the line was busy or something. Mm, No, my line was definitely open. I'll have to look into that, Tom said. Before I turned around to head back to the elevator, I asked Tom if there were any deaf or special needs guests at the hotel. I told him about the girl in the elevator and how I might have scared or offended her. He told me he wasn't sure, and even if he did know, It wasn't information he should be sharing. I understood and headed to my room. The next day, me and my family were going out for the day for some tourist activities. I waved at Tom as we passed reception and then he waved for me to come over. That girl you mentioned last night. What did she look like? He asked. She was like 16 probably. She was wearing this really cute sweater with triangles. Tom looked incredibly worried. She never returned to her room last night. Her parents called this morning, looking for her. My heart sank. That poor girl. She was seen pressing random buttons in the elevator on the CCTV, Tom continued. That sounded familiar to me. I remembered seeing a video like that. Back in 2013, I think. Tom showed me the security footage, and sure enough, there she was. Looking nervous, pressing random buttons, then me entering on the fifth floor, then her leaving on the tenth. That night, I googled the elevator game, and I skimmed the rules. When you reach the fifth floor, a young woman may enter the elevator. Do not look at her. Do not speak to her. She is not what she seems. So that's why she was ignoring me. I was part of the game. Her game. But I wasn't a monster, I was just a person. Right? Am I not what I seem? Am I dangerous? It's been almost a year since that day, and she still hasn't been found. They say if you play the elevator game successfully, you can travel to an alternate dimension on the 10th floor. But if you don't follow the rules exactly, you might get stuck there forever. And every now and then, I wonder if my being there interfered with her ritual somehow. I wonder if I'm the reason she's stuck.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot
1: And now, more Something Scary. This next story comes from Megan in England. This happened to them 13 years ago when they were 6 years old. My dad got married to my stepmom, Claire, in a castle in Harrogate. About three miles away was the Ripley Castle, the hotel that we were all staying at. It was a really gorgeous place on the bank of a river. All the rooms were very old-fashioned, with four-poster beds and beautiful green-draped curtains that could be opened and closed by pulling a rope. Very classy. I was only six at the time, so these memories have become a little foggy over the years there were moments during my stay that felt so strange that i still remember to this day they may seem pretty uneventful to you but they made me uncomfortable at the time and i didn't fully understand why so i'll just tell you what i remember and you can make your own judgment so the room we were staying in was connected to other rooms as well and me my older sister lauren and our brothers would cross between rooms to talk to each other and play one afternoon, we were playing hide-and-seek. I was it. After counting backwards from ten, I went to look for them, but I couldn't find anyone. I thought they all got bored and went to do other things, which made me quite sad and a little angry at the fact they'd just ditched me like that. So I wandered into my older brother's room and slumped on the bed, picking up the old rotary phone that was on the wooden bedside table It was so much fun and extremely satisfying for me to hear the sounds the rotary made when it was dragged to each button and clicked back into place i wasn't expecting to hear a voice on the other end hello it sounded like my nana sue my stepmom's mother and i answered back hello nana sue the voice replied and confirmed that it was her so i spoke to her for maybe 10 to 15 minutes i can't remember exactly what we were talking about but I didn't notice the passing of time until my sister Lauren, who was eight at the time, came in and saw me on the phone. She asked me why I stopped looking for them. I told her I was just talking to Nana Sue, but she grabbed the phone from me and hung up and told me to count backwards from 10 again. On the day of the wedding, I was talking with my Nana Sue and mentioned something that had come up on our phone call the other day, but she looked puzzled. She claimed that she didn't remember that conversation and that she had never used the hotel phone since staying there. I chalked it up to her being old and forgetful. That was just the beginning. Throughout that trip, I had an uneasy feeling in my stomach as I continued to see things. Once, I was running around the grounds, playing with my cousins, and I looked up at the windows and saw a woman standing there. She had long hair, a white dress, and she was watching me. Then my cousins called me over to get my attention, and I looked away for a moment, and when I looked back, she was gone. Another time, I saw a little boy going into the dining area of the hotel. He was rather pale, wearing a nice dinner jacket and suit, with dark hair and dark eyes. The dining area he went into was supposedly closed, so I followed him in, and he began to run. We raced each other through the tables and climbed over the furniture, laughing as we did. Then someone from the hotel staff scolded me, and I was made to leave. I looked around for the little boy I was playing with, but he had disappeared, and I didn't see him for the rest of my stay. And no one could recall there being a little boy of the description I gave. After the wedding reception was over, me and Lauren went back to the hotel room and had one of my stepmom's friends make up a story for us to go to sleep. I fell asleep before the end of the story, but woke up a few hours later probably around five o'clock. I blinked a few times and looked over at the sofa in the corner of the room, which was next to the coffee table, and there was a woman sitting there watching me sleep. At first I thought it was my stepmom's friend, but realized she wasn't wearing the same clothes. I tried to speak, but my mouth was a little dry, so nothing came out. Then I heard a gentle voice say, It's okay, go back to sleep. Being too tired to argue, I complied and fell back asleep. Even though these incidents made me feel uneasy, I tried not to question any of this stuff at the time. There were logical explanations for everything that happened. Maybe I was talking to someone else on the phone. Maybe it was a wedding guest I didn't know in the window. Maybe my stepmom's friend had changed her clothes after telling us that story. But when I got older, I learned of some rumors that the Ripley Castle was haunted. When I recall some of these things to Lauren, who is now 21, she doesn't believe me. She thinks I'm placing meaning on meaningless things. And I don't blame her. I had a seriously active imagination growing up. Still, I'm not sure. To be completely honest with you, I think it was because of this experience I became a believer in the paranormal and the supernatural. I'd love to get other people's opinions of my story, and if anyone else has also experienced something at Ripley Castle, let me know so I can reassure myself that I'm not crazy. Thank you for sending that in, Megan. It's always nice to get a sort of classic ghost story every now and then. And if anybody who's listening has visited this castle or knows any more information about it, please feel free to email me. And now we end this week's episode with a lengthy story from the No Sleep subreddit. It was written by username Hylian Faye, entitled The Good Shade Hotel. I was out of work and looking for something to pay the rent until I could find a new job that was in my field when I saw the ad. I'd been scrolling through job listings when it caught my eye. Several positions open at The Good Shade Hotel, 40 plus dollars an hour. Well. Damn, that was way more than decent pay to work in a hotel. I was shocked that they'd even have open positions if they're paying that much. But it seemed to be my lucky day. I mean, sure, I lived in a huge city, but it was odd that I'd never heard of the place when it obviously was making a lot of money. I figured it must be extremely classy and high maintenance, and I was prepared to put up with some rich jerks if it meant a sweet paycheck. There was no address or phone number, just an email. I shot out a reply containing my resume and kept looking through the other offers on the site. But before I found anything else that might be worth applying for, my inbox pinged. The people at the Good Shade were quick in their response. Dear Mr. Stevens, it has come to our attention that you would like to apply for a position at the Good Shade Hotel. Your resume has been taken into account and we require you to answer several follow-up questions so that you may be considered for the job. Then came a series of questions. Some were normal and others were extremely odd. I thought maybe they were trying to rule out anyone who might be crazy. No one wants psychotic hotel staff after all, right? Have you had prior experience working in customer service and or hospitality? Yes, both. Prior experience in a small motel. Would you be comfortable filling out an NDA form? Yes. Would you be comfortable working in a remote location? Yes. Are you willing and able to drive a long distance to attend work? Yes. Are you willing and able to work night shifts? Yes. Which types of positions are you looking for? Any available, preferably not housekeeping, but willing if need be. Have you had any issues with mental illness? Nope. Do you take any medications? If yes, please list. Nope. Do you believe in paranormal, supernatural, or extraterrestrial beings? Not really, there's no proof of them. Unsure of my beliefs in the afterlife. How many people live in your household? Only myself. What is your marital relationship status? Single, never married. Have you ever heard of our hotel? Only in the job listing I responded to. Do you contain 100% human genetics? Um, as far as I know, yes. What caused you to apply for work here? I am unemployed, have experience in this type of work, and could honestly use the money. Please list any questions or concerns below your responses. We will respond to your application promptly. An affirmative response to your application will come with an email containing the details of your job placement and a few documents requiring signature. Thank you for applying at the Good Shade Hotel. A. Smith, Owner and Manager. Like I said, some super odd questions. I wasn't about to turn it down though. I needed the money. I didn't think much of the odd questions anyways. The only logical explanation was that they had a bad experience with a psycho employee or two. If I was paying that much to employ someone, I'd be damn sure they didn't think they were ET. I answered every question as truthfully as possible and sent the email back, confident that I'd be getting the job. My confidence was not misplaced. I received the affirmative response within the hour. I was overjoyed. This job paid so well that I'd never want to look for a different one. The new email gave me an address to go to at exactly 4pm the next day. I would be working as a receptionist. $40 an hour to answer phones, put reservations into computers, and give out room keys. It would be simple. Maybe not the most stimulating work, but tolerable. The drive out to the address I was given was odd. I passed through a tunnel I had been through a few times before, but I could have sworn that I didn't recognize the area coming out of the tunnel. I pushed my confusion aside, figuring that the landscape had changed since my last time in the area. I arrived at the address after over an hour of driving. It was remote and surrounded by forest. The building itself was grand. Fifteen stories high, beautiful architecture. The trees surrounding the hotel were probably the tallest I'd ever seen in my life. They seemed to scrape the sky. Somehow, the hotel managed to look perfectly normal amidst the beautiful, natural environment that stretched far into the distance. It was the only building for miles around, and it was well hidden. It occurred to me that the guests likely paid very well for this sort of seclusion. It was deeply peaceful. When I entered the building, I found it to be dark and elegant. The place was so classy that the paycheck suddenly seemed reasonable. It wasn't the biggest hotel, but it was probably the fanciest one I'd ever set foot in in my entire life. The lobby seemed cavernous, and my steps seemed to echo as I walked up to the front desk. Behind the desk stood a pretty redhead. She smiled as I came forward. "'How can I help you, sir?' She asked politely in a sweet sing-song voice. Oh, uh, I'm here for the receptionist's position. I shook myself mentally. I had been staring. She giggled at my flustered state. <laughs> I'll let Mr. Smith know you've arrived. I resumed my staring as she walked away. There was something different about that girl. She returned with a tall man in tow. We shook hands and introduced ourselves, but I found myself distracted by the smiling redhead. Mr. Smith seemed to notice my waning attention. He led me behind the desk and into an office. "'Quite the nuisance that Alfea is,' he chuckled fondly. Althea? I questioned. The unusual name felt odd on my tongue. "Ah, uh, yes, I believe she's calling herself Alice now. Kind creature, when she wants to be. She's here from time to time to help out. You shouldn't experience any negative side effects.' he replied, seemingly lost in thought. I had no idea what he meant, but I assumed he meant the immediate attraction I felt for her. She must have a history of fellow employees lusting after her. Ready for your entry meeting? He asked abruptly, apparently back on track. I nodded, and the meeting that followed left me confused and, to be entirely honest, a little freaked out. He went over the questions from my application We discussed them in slightly more detail, and he provided more information about the job and its requirements. I had to sign a form before we even began talking about the position. Fortunately, a loophole I found in the contract does not forbid me from sharing my experience with you, listener, and I'm so thankful to be able to get it all off my chest. Anyways, the rest of the meeting brought to light some of the reasons why I may not be allowed to speak of the job or the guests, but it initially made me wonder if perhaps my boss was insane. 100% human genetics, he questioned as he looked over my application. Very good. The guests have been missing someone of your appeal. Then he began listing the details of the position. I would mainly be working at the front desk. There may be occasional instances when I'm requested by a guest to deliver items to their room. They may also request to look at me for a maximum of five minutes with zero physical contact. I am to avoid any physical contact, including accidentally brushing against the clients. The contract requires three months minimum attendance before I may opt out, and opting out comes with what he called a mandatory deconditioning. Opportunities to opt out and be debriefed are provided at three-month intervals. Attempting to quit before one of the intervals breaks the rules of the contract. He listed off the consequences of breaking the contract at such a speed that I barely understood them, and followed up by saying, I think you'll do wonderfully here, Mr. Stevens. I was kind of dazed from all the information, but signed the contract. My boss might be a little crazy, and the requirements might be slightly odd, but the money wasn't something I could pass up. I mean, how bad could it be? My first shift was that very evening. I'd be working the desk alongside Alice. Mr. Smith came up to the desk as I adjusted the name tag he had given me. Tyler Stevens, H.S. Alf, uh, Alice, he sighed. Be nice to this young man. It's hard to find people like him. She pouted for a moment, then nodded. Smith shifted his gaze to me and held out his hand. It contained a small vial of milky liquid. If you start to become delusional, a drop in each eye. He turned and walked away. I looked to Alice in confusion. It's in your contract, she said. That'll kill any negative side effects if you happen to touch the wrong guest or spend too much time with me. She gave a wide smile, and for a moment, her teeth looked unnaturally sharp. I slipped the vial into my pocket, feeling incredibly skeptical about the entire job. It was too late to back out, though. I had already signed the contract. The beginning of the shift was slow. No guests had come to check in or out. I found myself staring at Alice again. Her name tag caught my eye. Alfea I-N. No last name? I asked. She glanced at her name tag. Don't have one. At least not one that would fit or make sense on a name tag. She shrugged. And the letters? H-S-I-N. Homo sapien Elisabrosa notha. Scientific name in your case, the shades decided mine, she said, nonchalantly, typing something into the computer. Illy sub no what? Shades? <laughs> what are you talking about? I laughed, thinking it was some kind of joke on the newbie. Charming mutt, she said dryly. Their sense of humor is immaculate. It doesn't pay to be one of a kind. I stared for a moment, looking for a hint that she was joking. Her face remained completely serious. Oh, I responded, not sure what to say. She started laughing out of nowhere, and I was relieved for a moment. You really have no idea what you've gotten yourself into, huh? I'm a really overpaid receptionist, and I'm the victim of the weirdest hazing ever? I said with a nervous laugh. She giggled again. (laughs) I could tell you, but I think it'd be more fun to watch you gradually realize what you're a part of. She paused, looking around the empty lobby. I'll tell you this, though. The name has a reason. All of our guests are shades of some sort. I'm one as well. In fact, you'll probably be the only person roaming around wearing an HS for the entirety of your employment. I have no idea what a shade is, I told her. Her response was a wide smile, revealing rows of shark-like teeth. I took a step back letting out another nervous laugh. I was afraid. They're real. You want to touch? She asked. The amusement on her face was plain to see. I shook my head no, unable to respond. She shrugged and turned back to the computer. I wasn't sure what to think, but I was now wholeheartedly aware that this girl was not human. The room fell silent. I had no idea how to start a conversation after seeing that. Alice's voice broke the tension. Sylvia should be here in exactly two minutes. I nodded, still not trusting myself to say something that wouldn't have me eaten by those teeth. She was right, though. I watched the clock on the far wall tick the time away. Exactly 120 ticks later, the front door opened. A girl who had to be no older than 12 entered. She was a horrifying mess, covered in dirt and blood. Her left arm was bent at an unnatural angle and a bone was protruding grotesquely from her forearm. She dragged her right leg behind her, the ankle quite obviously broken, and a deep gash in her forehead was pouring blood. My first instinct was to scream, and my second was to run to help. Alice yelled for me to stop, but I ignored her. I ran to the young girl. Oh my god, are you okay? Do you need me to call you an ambulance? What happened? The words erupted from my mouth, hardly a space for breath between them. She stared blankly into the distance, not acknowledging my panicked questions. I reached out for her and Alice yelled from the desk, Stop! Too late. I gripped the girl's shoulders and stared at her. Her eyes were glazed over milky white, and she let out a piercing scream when my hands made contact. Before I could blink, she was gone. My hands were grasping at empty air. She had simply and entirely disappeared from the lobby. You moron, Alice yelled at me again. I stared at her, nowhere near understanding what had just occurred. She sighed as she saw my face. Now she's going to loop. She'll be back in an hour. What? You're not supposed to touch the guests, she stated, sounding annoyed. We need to call the police. She was seriously hurt. I was freaking out. She was seriously dead, she said dryly. The phones here don't make calls to 911 anyways. She's a shade. Stop panicking. You'll get used to it. I couldn't think of any response to that. I still hadn't fully grasped what this job was all about. I suddenly realized that I had no feeling in my hands. I clutched them close to my chest to discover that they were cold as ice. Instantly, the feeling spread deep into my chest and up my arms. I was freezing and began shivering violently as I walked back to the desk. Alice glanced at me when I arrived beside her and let out another exasperated sigh. Give me the vial. Tip your head back. She ordered. I pulled it out from my pocket while she took an eyedropper from a drawer in the desk. I watched as she squeezed the end of the dropper to pull liquid from the vial. The milky substance turned a pale purple as it entered the dropper. I leaned my head back and allowed her to put a drop in each of my eyes. As she tucked the vial back into my pocket and put away the dropper, I felt the cold leave my body. When Sylvia gets back, I'll deal with her, she said calmly. Maybe you should just watch for the first couple of days. There's a lot to learn about the different types of shades that we roam. I nodded and sat patiently. I looked over the fine print in my contract while we waited. Early dismissal from any staff position will result in an extremely painful deconditioning process. It is highly recommended to wait the entire three-month period so that we may provide a nearly painless process. Based on what I had already seen tonight, I didn't want to know what these people considered a painful process. I'd stick out the job for three months and quit if I couldn't handle the insanity. Soon enough, Sylvia came back. She looked exactly the same as she had an hour ago. I resisted the urge to both scream and vomit. Alice called out to her. Hi, Sylvia, sweetie. She walked over and knelt in front of the mangled girl. Welcome back to the good shade. I'm sorry to tell you again, but you're dead. Sylvia's head snapped toward Alice at an inhuman speed. She nodded, seeming to think for a moment. We have room U344 available for you, Alice told her, holding out a key card. The girl nodded again, took the key, and shuffled her way towards the elevator. When the doors shut behind her, I let out the breath I hadn't realized I was holding. Alice walked back over and sat at the desk, There's no one else scheduled for tonight. You could probably nap until the shift ends. Yeah, I might. I started. Then curiosity got the best of me. You three four four? Oh, Mr. Smith forgot to tell you? Well, we have 50 floors of underground rooms. A lot of the guests prefer it. I don't know why it surprised me. After everything else that had happened... I was sitting next to a girl with shark teeth, and we had just let a mangled corpse into the hotel. What else? I don't know how I'm going to manage the next three months without having nightmares. I laughed, but the statement was entirely serious. oh honey, Alice giggled. You'll seem much worse. Trust me. I stared at her sharp teeth and felt a chill run through me. She wasn't wrong about that. She is not what she seems was from the No Sleep subreddit, written by username Cupid's Fate. Audio for that story edited by Johnny Ashley. All other story scripts edited by Adam Sinker and Sapphire Sindalo. Music and editing for this podcast by Sapphire Sindalo. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarls.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, sweet dreams.